Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. So last month I was sitting in the studio just doing an interview and I was talking to this woman, Emily, asking about her job, her family, and then I got down to business. So so did getting the extra nipples add to those anxieties you were having about... Sorry. <laughs> our, well, engineer, yes. our engineer didn't um, know what this interview was about. No, <laughs> Just looking um, at I could see our engineer, Jared, through the glass in the control room, and his eyes were just popping. His face turned red, you know, in that way where you just found out that the interview you're about to be sitting in on is going to be all about boobs. Sorry, Jared. I will try to warn you next time. But anyway, um, boobs. Boobs are possibly the most complicated on-display body part in existence. Whether you hate them, flaunt them, or they make you feel sexy, boobs are impossible to ignore. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. Back in September, we did a call-out for boob stories, and we heard from just a ton of you. Here at the show... We are talking about boobs all the time. And hey, I could not think of a better way to start the new year than to do a whole episode on them. Actually, two whole episodes. We're going to hear a couple of stories today. And then next week, we're going to be back with another. This entire episode started because of that woman that I was talking about at the top there, Emily. Emily emailed us because she wanted to talk about these skin tags that she'd found. You know skin tags, right? They're those balls of extra skin that pop up on your body. They're like a couple millimeters wide, or sometimes if they grow, they can be as big as a grape. Well, Emily was around six months into her pregnancy when she noticed these skin tags. Hers were about half the size of her pinky nail. And, you know, people get skin tags when they're pregnant. It's a thing. So she wasn't worried, but... They were right on, like, near my armpit. And so when I wore tank tops, you could see them. And so it it bothered me just enough, especially knowing that my son was going to be born in um, early June. So I knew my whole maternity, I thought, I was going to be outside the whole time with the baby in these tank tops. Emily lives in Minneapolis, which can actually get pretty hot and gross in the summer. So I talked to my doctor and she said, oh yeah, just here, go to the skin specialist um, and just have them removed and it's not a big deal. So Emily goes to the specialist thinking it's going to be a quick knockout job. But this doctor... He just kept looking at them and, you know, poking and prodding at them. And um, 
And he's like, well, this is really normal. And this is very common. And I was like, well, it's not then if you're telling, if that's how you're going to start the conversation. It's like, okay. It's like, so those aren't actual skin takes. Those are actually extra nipples. And then I wanted to like curl into a ball and die. Did they look like nipples? Well, then, like, after he told me that, looking at them, like, yeah, like, teeny, teeny, tiny nipples. So they were, you know, like, teeny, tiny with a little thing in the middle where you could see where something could potentially come out. And did they have, did they have, sorry to get graphic, but, but like, <laughs> did, I'm trying to, did, did they, did they have, like, an areola or is it just, like, the nipple no. part? No. It just looked like a teeny tiny like nipple part. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say as, you know, I progressed in my pregnancy, just like most women, you know, you're, you tend to get darker in that area. As your pregnancy goes on, they also got darker. Hmm. Um, so they did kind of follow suit with what the rest of my chest area was doing. Wow. Um, yeah. Emily noticed her extra nipples because they were changing, but she probably had them her whole life. Extra nipples tend to develop in utero when you're a fetus. It actually happens in up to one in 20 people in both men and women. The nipples pop up anywhere along your mammary lines, which start in your groin and run all the way up to your armpits. One of my guy friends from college had one on his stomach. He used to show it off at parties. He was known as the extra nipple guy. So Emily's doctor explains to her what's going on, says over and over that it's really common. And Emily's like, great, I've got some very common extra nipples. So I I really, really want to get them removed now. Um, And so he's like, well, you know, what are your plans for after the baby comes? Are you going to, are you going to breastfeed? And I was like, well, I don't know. That's if it works well. Yes. If it doesn't, probably not. He's like, well, Here's the thing. Um, it's probably not a good idea to do anything right now because one, they could disappear once you have the baby. It might clear up on its own. Um, but also if you decide to breastfeed, they could actually actually lactate and we wouldn't want to um, cause any damage to that. That's right. These nipples could lactate. Hold the phone. Wait a second. Now you're telling me not only do I have two extra nipples on my body, but they're actually going to start to produce milk. And he just kind of sat there and said, yeah, yeah, but this is totally normal. It's really common. Um, so he told me he wouldn't do anything with them. So it was just kind of a lost cause. Um, and he said, you know, after you're done breastfeeding, then, you know, then come back if you want to, and we can, we can figure out our game plan. Um, so I had already told my husband I was going to the doctor cause I was going to get these skin tags removed. Um, and so I called him on the way home and he's like, Oh, did you get them removed? How'd it go? And like, I burst into tears and said, no, I couldn't because they're actual nipples. I have, I have four nipples and just kind of cried. Emily's husband calms her down, says he once knew a girl with nipples on her stomach. No big deal. But for Emily, it is a big deal. She's got to live with these things. So she covers up with long sleeves. And a few months later, she has the baby. But then they did, in fact, start to lactate. Tell me the moment when you noticed. So I was coming out of the shower, and I I think it was close to getting to be pump time um, because I I didn't actually breastfeed. I had to pump. Um, And so I was starting to get very heavy, um, and I was wiping myself off. And I noticed there was little driplets coming from 
my extra nipples. Um, and then, so then I, 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 I just remember thinking like, I can't go out in public and have like all this in my armpits all wet. Cause I, I don't think I knew how much was going to come out yet. So I just like put two or three band-aids, I think on either side and hoping and praying that it wasn't like massive, um, milk that was coming out. Right. Um, there's not like nursing pads for the no. extra nipples on your armpits. No. Now, these extra lactating nipples, they were more than just an anatomical anomaly to Emily. They were a constant reminder that she was changing. I still wanted people to see me as me. I wanted people to see me as Emily, you know, a partner, a friend, a coworker. Um, I didn't want them to see me as Emily, mom. She pictured herself morphing from Emily into Emily, mom. Emily Mom was consumed by diapers and pumping and spit up. She was exhausted. All she could talk about was poop and maybe on a good day, her baby's milestones. Emily was afraid that all of her relationships with her family, friends, coworkers, they would get wiped clean and her baby would be her entire world. And I felt like <laughs> the nipples represented that. Like I saw them every day when I would get out of the shower, every day while I was getting ready. And it just felt like it just reminded me that 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 change, that motherhood, everything, all of that came first and it was it was more important or more visible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it marked you. It yes, it marked me. It was it was a battle scar. Like, this is me now. Now I'm a mom. (laughs) Now I'm a mom with four nipples. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did you talk about it with anybody? Any of your friends? No. No. I mean, my, it it took me, I think, two years before I told even my best girlfriends. Really? Yeah. Like, once you say you have this, then everybody wants to see it, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's not, unlike your friend in college, like, that uh, that wasn't going to be, like, my party game. That wasn't going to be my claim to (laughs) fame. Um, so I, it took me a really long time to tell anybody. But a few months after Emily had her baby, there was an incident. We were at my parents' house and, um, they live on a lake. So I was in my swimsuit because we were outside and my dad came over and gave me like a great side hug and was kind of, um, stroking my arm. And then he, he felt my nipple. He was like, what, what is that? And like, I was like, dad, that's my extra nipple. And like of all the people that have to say and to like, like, and that that's what it was. It's like, yeah. And he's like, what? So then I had to launch into the explanation of why, um, I had, uh, two extra nipples, um, and that he was, had just been touching it. <laughs> what was his reaction? He, he moved away from me pretty quickly. Emily breastfed for nine months. And, you know, even after you stop breastfeeding, you can still lactate for a while. Emily knew that. So she gave herself a little time to dry out, which meant another summer of covering up those annoying leaky bumps. After a few months, the extra nipples were finally done lactating. And so I went back to that skin doctor and said, I want to get them removed. And he's like, well, are you done having kids? And at that time, um, he's like, yep, we're done. We're, we're done. This is it. So they just like kind of cut them out and it was one stitch, I think, on either side. Then about two years later, Emily got pregnant again. Were you, were you just sitting there like waiting for them to show back up? Yes. <laughs> and maybe 
multiply or something because I had removed them. So I was waiting for like even more to come. Just out of spite. (laughs) Yeah. Like I was just going to have like 16 or something, but no, surprisingly nothing else popped out. Do you now feel like your old self because they're gone? I don't, but I don't think it has anything to do with the nipples. Like I'm so much more different than I was six years ago before having kids. And I have a lot more battle scars, but you just can't see them. Two nipples are four. Emily says her main identity now is mom, but not in that child-obsessed Emily mom way that she was worried about back when she was pregnant. You know, she used to think her kids would drive her away from the people that she loves. Instead, they've brought her closer to them. For Emily, this is an especially big deal because she's adopted. She doesn't have biological ties to her family. So all the other resemblances between her parents and her kids, Elsa and Wesley, they mean a lot. My dad um, likes to eat his spaghetti by slurping it, which, of course, Wesley as a five-year-old thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. And so we had um, spaghetti the other night and he was slurping it up and he's like, look, mom, I'm doing it just like Papa Steve. It goes beyond family, too. Recently, Emily's daughter started bopping vigorously in her high chair to this song, Come On, Ride the Train. It's a song that Emily and her friends used to rock out to back in high school. Emily shot a video, sent it to her pals, and they were like, yes, she is one of us. Coming up, What happens when boobs get totally out of line? Don't go away. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh-generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of seventh-generation. Find seventh-generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at seventhgeneration.com. We are back with more boobs, specifically boobs belonging to a woman named Tara. Tara's boob story begins back in 2003. She was living in Gaithersburg, Maryland, a suburb of D.C. She worked for a pharmaceutical company, had been married about a year. She was 26 at the time. I noticed a lump um, that I could feel, and I don't even remember how I noticed it. I just happened to notice it. Um, And I was like, huh, that's weird. I'm sure it's nothing. Um, Do you have a history of breast cancer in your family? No, it was not on my radar screen at all. But, you know, it seemed like one of those things that you were supposed to get checked out. So I did. 
Now, Tara's doctor, she wasn't too worried either. Tara was in her mid-20s, and breast cancer is more common in women who are at least two decades older. But just to be extra safe, the doctor scheduled Tara for a biopsy. That's where they stick you with one of those big hollow needles and grab a little bit of tissue to test. And then the results of that um, were that they saw cancerous cells. And even at that point, they were like, huh, I bet that's a false positive. Why? Because you were young? Because I was 26 years old. Yeah, they're like, we can't believe that a 26-year-old has breast cancer. But since the results are showing that, then we go ahead and we do the next step. The next step was to remove the lump. Because even though they had a hunch it was a false positive, well, what if it wasn't? And just in case it turned out to be cancer, they had to also take out a bunch of extra tissue around the lump to make sure they got every single cancer cell. There was this hollow area inside my boob. Um, It filled with fluid and it needed to drain. And then I think they needed to go back for a little bit more skin around the edge. Like what size area did they take out? Probably a little smaller than a golf ball. Tara was still recovering from all of this when her test results came back. They were positive. That's when it was like, oh, this is definitely cancer. So I have this fuzzy recollection of the surgeon telling me. And I remember being just in like disbelief. I had stage 2A um, estrogen receptor positive, HER2 new negative breast cancer. So there's a lot going on in there. As scary as that sounds, it wasn't all bad news. So stage 2A, that means the cancer had not spread to her lymph nodes. Estrogen receptor positive means Tara had the type of cancer that would likely respond to hormonal treatment. And HER2 negative means Tara's cancer was less likely to spread and come back. Still, it was cancer. And to prevent it from getting any further, Tara had to do chemotherapy. She started going to an infusion center. And it it was just, it was the weirdest experience. I mean, like they give you a, a blood thinner drug first and it's like you can feel it going in. It's like... It's almost like you can taste it in your bloodstream and it tastes like metallic and uh, just icky, like wrong. And they have these big, comfy, loungy chairs because you're in them for a number of hours and you're hooked up to um, an IV drip of poisonous medicine. Then there's radiation every single workday for seven weeks. If you're doing the math there, that's 35 rounds of Tara lying on a table, getting high-energy rays beamed at her right boob, the one that had the tumor. To help align the machine, the doctors tattooed Tara's right breast with little black dots. She actually still has those. The radiation sunburned Tara's breast and also wound up drying out her eyes so badly she needed to stop wearing contacts and makeup. Weirdly, ironically, it was also some of the best skin days of my life. Her face, which was usually oily, looked nice and matte. Which was good because, I mean, like, if you're going to pull off a bald head, um, it's great if your skin looks awesome. 
Because, of course, there was that too. She was going to lose her long, blondish-brown hair. I dyed it. Um, I don't remember if I dyed it purple or hot pink. Kind of the last hurrah of my hair. And at that point, I mean, I wasn't that far removed from when I used to dye it crazy colors in high school. (laughs) And I cut it short so that when I started to lose it, it wouldn't be tons and tons of hair. But like when it started to come out in chunks in the shower, it was still really emotional. And then um, I had a friend of mine um, shave my head. I remember that it was uh, one of those really unusually warm days in winter and we could do it outside on the back porch. The week that Tara dyed her hair was the week between Christmas and New Year's, so she was off from work, and her coworkers never saw her colorful hair. In fact, they didn't see her hair at all. By the time Tara got back to the office, her hair was gone. How did people react? Um, people would come talk to me about it and share, like, their cancer story of, like, who they knew that had been, you know, through cancer treatment— whether it was a positive story or an awful story, like whether their friend or family member survived or, you know, died painfully, they wanted to share it. And I was like, you know, I would think to myself, like, that's not really appropriate. Like that's not, that's not uplifting and I don't want to hear it. And I don't want to be your um, therapist. (laughs) but, you know, I kept those thoughts to myself. It was hard for Tara to find people to talk to about her cancer. You can't, you don't have a lot of other people to relate to. I did have a support group and it was a young women's breast cancer support group. And I was by far the youngest. I mean, young, quote unquote, in that group was like women in their 40s. Wow. Yeah. Were you ever like, holy shit, I could have died? Yes and no. You know how when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, like you just, you don't picture that you're ever going to die. I mean, just, I mean, I was in my mid twenties and I was diagnosed with a disease that's scary, but it's treatable. And I think most of the time I was like, this sucks and it's awful, but I wasn't really scared that it was going to kill me. Not what I had right then. There was definitely like, and there still is sometimes, and I push it under the rug, but like it could, it could spread like, you know, it's beaten down now but it could pop its ugly head up somewhere else at some later point. Mm -hmm. So at this point, how are you feeling about your boobs? I think I felt kind of betrayed by my boob at that point. You know, like, what the heck went wrong with you? What did you have to go and do that for? And now we have to go through all of this. Um, does it eventually look normal? Pretty normal. 
So, so weirdly, because that the surgery took, took, um, flesh and some skin out, it kind of served as a rudimentary boob lift kind of. So that one's perkier. Um, and it's also smaller. Um, yeah. So they were uneven from that point forward. In a noticeable way? I think at that point they were probably around a cup size different, right? So it's like I would wear a bra that would fit one side or the other, and I could find like a random piece of padding out of some padded bra or padded swimsuit or something and just use that to even it out. Now, the chemo drugs that Tara was getting, they can cause you to become sterile. Tara knew this, and it didn't really bother her. I was never one of the people that wants to hold all the babies. So we thought we were just going to be happy having dogs. And my oncologist, he asked me that question, you know, far more frequently than he needed to, I think. Um, Are you sure, you, you know, you're not interested in having kids in the future? Tara said, yeah, no kids. The doctor did convince her to go on a drug called Lupron. There have been a couple studies suggesting that Lupron can kind of protect a person's reproductive organs from chemo drugs so that later on they might be able to conceive. Maybe. And then for the next five years, Tara was on yet another drug called tamoxifen. This one was supposed to shut down any cancer cells that might still be hiding. You're not supposed to get pregnant on tamoxifen because it could harm the fetus, you know, cause birth defects. So Tara went on an IUD. But then, just two years through the five-year course of tamoxifen, something shifted. Maybe Tara was just getting older. Maybe it was the fact that she and her husband had moved kind of deep into the suburbs. It just felt like a really good place to raise a family. And we could, like, begin to picture it. We were picturing two kids hiking, playing outside, playing in creeks, um, you know, flipping over rocks and seeing what lived under them. All the things that I did when I was a kid. But whether or not Tara could get pregnant was a big if. And being on tamoxifen, that meant she couldn't begin to try for at least another three years. When we come back... Tara finds out what her body can do and what it can't. Stay with us. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. 
Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. We're back. When we left off, Tara had pretty much beaten breast cancer, but she was on tamoxifen, a drug that's supposed to get rid of any lingering cancer cells, but also a drug that is not okay to take when trying to get pregnant, which at first was fine with Tara, but then not fine once she and her husband actually wanted a baby. So Tara waits it out for the full course of her tamoxifen. Five years after starting, it's finally okay to go off the drug. She gets her IUD removed. And nine months after that, she's pregnant. And as her belly grows, she starts to wonder, will I be able to breastfeed this baby? She asks her doctors. And nobody knew. You know, like the responses I got were mostly like, um, well, you know, you'll try it and you'll see if you can. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Which is, I guess, true of anybody. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty valid response, but it's also pretty incurious. I mean, like, yeah, but I want to know. Like you wanted to know if this would rule it out. Yeah. One thing Tara knew for sure Something was off with her boobs. Very, very off. Well, um, pretty early in my pregnancy, my one boob, my left boob, the one that didn't have cancer, got bigger. Um, You know how when you're pregnant, like, it changes shape, it changes size, the nipple is bigger, darker maybe, but only the one got bigger. The little one stayed exactly the same. Exactly. It was like I had a control and an experiment. And (laughs) I mean, so I had a huge one and a teeny one. Um, And God, the super boob was like, God, maybe six times the size of the little boob. Is that what you called it? The super boob? Yeah, the super boob. And um, it was a real challenge to figure out what to put in there to like kind of even it out. So that little bit of padding from a bra or swimsuit, that stuff that Tara used to use when she was just a cup size different, that would no longer cut it. What did you do? They make prosthetics, um, but it's not like there's a a Zappos for boob shopping where you can look (laughs) at it from every angle and see, like, um, ratings and reviews from other customers. So there may not be an online marketplace for prosthetic breasts with with videos of, of peppy sales ladies demonstrating how each product fits. But there are lots of women who need prosthetic breasts, and each need is different. So if you had a full mastectomy, you need a prosthetic with a flat back to to sit right against your chest. But for people like Tara, who have different size breasts, you need a prosthetic with a scooped back to fit over the smaller breast. Tara ordered a bunch to try out. They just, like, wouldn't give me a mostly symmetrical shape. Like, either they were the wrong shape or they were the wrong size. And, you know, like, you don't want it to just be made out of foam. Like it's got, you know, if you poke it, there's movement, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that it's not obvious that one is fake. Yeah. Yeah. And they're sort of like teardrop shaped. And um, depending on how long that teardrop part is that kind of goes up over the top, like some of those were too long and then they would stick out the top of my bra. And if I was wearing a shirt that was low cut, which God damn it, a lot of maternity shirts are really low cut. Mm-hmm. Then it would be like visible over the top edge of my shirt. So yeah, I mean, there was a lot of trial and error. Um, did you get any reactions from other people? You know, I, I would occasionally, um, if I had a, a close friend and it happened to come up in conversation, I'd be like, you want to see my fake boob? Like, and I would whip it out. I would just pull it out of my bra and show it to him. Um, (laughs) you know, not in the middle of anywhere. Just like, you know, if I was in a coworker's office, like I, I might do it. Not in the middle of the lunchroom. (laughs) Did somebody ever not see that coming and you just sort of (laughs) shocked them? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they ever really see it coming. Well, Tara had her baby and she was able to breastfeed. I was from the super boob. Um, From just the super boob. From just the super boob, yeah. Why did the other the the cancer boob didn't produce milk? It didn't. No, um, I guess it was probably the radiation that just rendered it incapable of of producing milk. Um, I remember my midwife telling me, um, you know, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to just try it. Um, I'd be like, but it's just obvious that it's not doing anything. Like, it just looks exactly the same. Like, it feels ridiculous to hold my baby up to this nipple that I know isn't going to give him anything. I mean, I think I did kind of try it once, but, like, half-heartedly. I knew it wasn't going to do anything. I mean, I'd been pregnant for nine months, and I, and, you know— one boob went through all the motions and was like, I am giant and rock hard yep. and ready to be a factory. Like when you get I engorged mean, with milk yes. and, and, you, and you need to breastfeed so that, so that you don't feel like your boob's going to explode. Yeah. I'm ready to be a milk factory. And the other one was just like, never mind me. I'm just over here being my little tiny self, not changing <laughs> at all. You oh. know? <laughs> Tara stuck with breastfeeding on just the one side. She figured if a woman could nurse twins with two boobs, then she could nurse her single baby with one boob. Eventually, she had another baby. Superboob took care of that baby, too. And since Tara was working, she had to pump, which, of course, she only needed to pump the one side and clean pump parts for the one side. Superboob was efficient that way. So, so pregnancy and motherhood can really change a person's body. Um, and I think a lot of times that that's a real shock, you know, when, when you go through that. But yeah. you you had already gone through huge body changes um, because of your cancer. Yeah. Um, 
Did you learn anything from your cancer experience that you were able to apply to pregnancy and motherhood and your whole boob situation? Wow. You know, they were just such different experiences. Maybe just kind of an openness. Like, you know, this is just going to take me where it takes me. We're just going to see what happens. It's just a phase that I'm moving through. Although, you know, obviously with the pregnancy and childbirth, it was like, you know, a phase that I wanted to be in, that I'd been hoping to be in, as opposed to the cancer, which obviously wasn't. You know, just sort of struck me that um, the differences in your two boobs are more than size. Like one boob is the giver of life and the other is the taker of life. Yeah. It's just so like, just like right there on your chest. (laughs) Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. What a crazy dichotomy. I mean, I've long ago kind of come to terms with having wonky boobs and like, you know, forgiven the little one, like it's okay. We went through what we had to go through and it's totally fine that you're not functional and you're just there. It's cool. And, um, the super boob, like, wow, you single-handedly provided milk for two babies. I mean, not at the same time, but, um, that was awesome. Like you made up for being the only functional one. You did it. Good job. I mean, I have genuinely affectionate feelings towards both of them. Even the one that's failed you. Yeah. How come? I don't know. I guess I kind of feel sorry for it. Like, it's okay that you couldn't do what you were supposed to do. Sorry, we still survived. Tara's boobs have gone back to being just one cup size different. Super boob, just a regular old boob again. We are sure that you guys have all sorts of boob stories that you are dying to tell. If you can relate to Tara or Emily, or if you have something new to say, share it in the comments for this episode. That's episode 108. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, with Kristen Clark and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by The Batteries Duo. We also use music from Kevin McLeod, Johnny Ripper, and Chris Zabriskie. We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado and Antonia Acatunde. Special thanks in this episode to a few doctors who helped us with fact-checking. Beverly Friedlander, Amy Chang, Scott Prower, and Jessica Franklin. We will be back next week with another boob story. You know, it's not as like, whoa, as um, fighting an extra nipple. But I also know that I'm not your typical pregnant person. I don't have your typical story. It's a story where boobs behave pretty much how you'd expect. And, well, that's exactly the problem. 
You don't want to miss that show, do you? Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to hear that show early, subscribe to our newsletter. Just go to our homepage and enter your name in the little box there and we will send you a secret link to the show. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. Right now, we're especially on the lookout for dad secrets. You know, surprising things that you did not discover about your dad until after you were all grown up. Like... Recently, I just found out my dad knows how to throw a grenade. If you've got one of those kinds of things or anything else that you want us to hear, go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. Friends, why not take a trip to Spontaneation, where hours of listening pleasure await you. Hours made up of moments, moments like these. Guys, maybe we should put our cards on the table here. Okay. I feel like one or two or all of us might be, and this is going to sound weird, and please don't hate me for saying this, Human killing robots. Oh, what a relief. I am. Thank you so much. I am too. Oh, I am oh too. My God. I killed Roberto. Oh my God. Yes. And you're going to sing a solo away hilarious. Yeah, I know. Oh, that is very ironic. Yeah, Great. right? Is that irony? I think so. Let me listen to that one song and I'll get back to you. I can do it later. <laughs> listen to Spontaneous Nation with me, Paul F. Tompkins, on Earwolf, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Stand up. You sing Earwolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh-generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of seventh-generation. Find seventh-generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at seventhgeneration.com.